out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing. There is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase each other doesn't make sense. Hi everyone. Today we hear from my new friend Riri. It really excites me when I get to talk to people in faraway countries and bring you their amazing spiritual journeys. Today I bring you Riri Langer from Florida in the United States. Riri and I met in the E-Universe. She is a fellow author of what sounds like an amazing book, 50 Ways to Worry Less Now. And I say it sounds like an amazing book because I haven't read it yet. I got my copy, but as you can hear from the podcast, it's still on my pile of books to read. And being a slightly OCD, it is the latest book I received, so it's at the bottom of the pile at the moment. But I'm seriously considering moving it up to get um, a higher priority, especially after this conversation. If you want a free audio copy of her book, please email her at zhizilangerworrylessnow at gmail.com. And that is Gigi, G-I-G-I-L-A-N-G-E-R, Worry Less Now, or one word. Learn more about her on her website, which is www.gigilanger.com. And you can obtain a soft cover version of her book on Amazon at www.amazon.com. Books and just type in 50 Ways to Worry Less Now. I did not even know that Gigi is in recovery when we started talking, but I got terribly excited at learning how much we are alike as the chat progressed. This podcast is supported by The First Layer, the 12-step workbook on working through the 12 steps in any addiction in 21 sessions. There is also a 24-day step coaching and counseling program available based on The First Layer. For more information in this regard, go to www.freddy.org.za and click through from the notices at the right of the homepage. Please also look out for information on my new book, Life and Non, a 12-step guide for non-addicts. You can find it by following the links from the right of my homepage. It costs 300 rand without postage. Order from me directly on any of my social media platforms. This is Gigi's story. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Gigi, welcome to Meet Me in the Field. Oh, I'm happy to be here in the field with you. <laughs> if we have to meet now, we're possibly going to meet somewhere in the Pacific. Yeah, I'm in Florida, Florida. now. Sorry, yeah. Florida. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah, but the same time zone, and I'm looking out at palm trees, and it's beautiful oh. here. <laughs> oh, lucky you. I'm very grateful, I, yeah. Do you live close to the beach? About 15 minutes. Oh, cool. So, yeah, we can yeah, get there so, so easily. Shop. Yeah, we're about 10 minutes from, from the beach. And because we can't see the sea from where we are, I kind of forget that we're close to the sea until every now and then some seagulls fly over the house and they make seagulls. Oh, my God, yeah, they give yeah, because we actually close to the sea. It's, it's such a weird thing. Um, and my parents who live in – my mother who lives in Johannesburg freaks out about the fact that we live close to the sea and we're not there every day. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So say about the fact that we're close to the sea. So have you been in Florida for a long time now? Well, we've been lucky enough to come here in the winters. Uh, so that's been about five or six years. And, oh, um, and my our regular residence in, is in Michigan, which is also okay. the same time zone. And I've lived there since 1983 okay. uh, with my husband. And so 
yeah, we're we're enjoying the opportunity to be away from the winter <laughs> and the snow. Lucky you. <laughs> we are very grateful. We call them swallows in South Africa. Oh, really? Oh, we have a lot of swallows, um, Europeans, who yes. come to Cape Town and um, spend the European winter in Cape Town. And then they do the swallow thing. They migrate back back up to the north. <laughs> so. Do you know what we call them? No. We call them, we call them snowbirds. Okay. Snowbirds. <laughs> but I'll call, yeah. So I'll call them <laughs> swallows from now on. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Let, let me teach you some, something from, from the south of South Point of Africa. So you were a professor at University yeah. of Michigan. Uh, Eastern Michigan University. Okay. In, in something to do with education. Yes, yes. I was a um, foreign language teacher, Spanish and French, okay. and in middle school. And I did that for several years and um, got very interested in what improves teaching, how do teachers okay. improve and so when I wanted to get a master's degree to get a pay raise, you know, <laughs> I studied, <laughs> yeah, I studied, um, you know, education curriculum. And then I got really interested in the fact that they were doing research, like observing teachers and finding what most effective teachers do. And okay. that had not been a very vibrant, it was, a, it was in, in the, early to mid 80s, it was a new field of study in psychology and educational okay. psychology. And I thought that sounds really interesting. And um, there's a whole other story about men and marriages and so on. But the man that I met at that time had a PhD and had gone, you know, knew how to apply and so on. And so he kind of coached me um, and I ended up getting into Stanford in their psychological studies in education program. Okay. And when I got there, I thought, what in the world am I doing with all these smart people? I had never, ah. had, a, I'd never had a statistics course in my life. And our oh. first course was with this renowned Lee Kronbach, you know, famous people. And fortunately, I had some math aptitude, even though I had always loved literature. And so I was able to survive but with the stress well, of that, you. <laughs> yeah, with the stress That's of I've that. I've never, ever had in my life. So oh, good, okay. Good <laughs> no, yes, I'm, I'm very, very grateful. I'm very afraid of numbers. <laughs> but I ended up with the stress of that, you know, perfectionism, can't fail, got to be perfect. Oh. Deal, dealing with the stress by going to the bar every night and uh, getting you know, moving in with another guy who, you know, we, we had, we grew our own marijuana. And so I started medicating with alcohol and marijuana uh, to oh, handle the stress. Of my, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but I did finish the program and um, then I met a guy from Michigan. Seems like, you know, a lot of my life I was following guys around. <laughs> and this again, sounds this, like the story of my life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I, um, Moved to Michigan to finish writing my dissertation, and then we got married shortly after. And that was actually my third marriage, uh, okay. because there were a couple of others that, you know, it's a it's a long, long story. But uh, it anyway, they they didn't work out. And um, 
so when I got to Michigan, I had my brand new PhD in my hand from Stanford. So it wasn't well, too son. hard to get a, a teaching position just as a part-time, but then eventually I yeah. got hired. And it was at Eastern Michigan University, which prepares the majority of teachers in the United States are prepared at Eastern Michigan University. So oh, for wow. a person, yeah, for a person who had a very practical bent, you know, I was like saying, okay, how do we improve how we prepare teachers? Cause it's a tough yeah. job. So that's how I spent my career in education for um, 25 oh, years. Nice. Yeah. Oh, so wow. it was, yeah, it was fun. And where, where were you born? Outside of Chicago in the Western suburbs. Um, and my, okay. yeah, my dad managed this big, it was a huge land area that was country, only 15 minutes west of Chicago in the 50s, but uh, eventually became the town called Oak Brook, Oak Brook, okay. Illinois. And that's where, I, you know, I went to high school in Hinsdale and then eventually my parents retired so that, but I was off to college by then. So then I started wandering the world. <laughs> ah, awesome. <laughs> and yeah. did, did, now, if I think of, of America, and this is really weird way, way of thinking, I'm thinking of the the kind of more enlightened areas <laughs> around uh -huh. the, the, the side of the country, and then the, the kind of what you, what do you what do you call it the um the Bible Belt? Mm -hmm. is, is is that an ugly term to use? Or is um, that a, there is that in the more in the southern southeast okay. perhaps i think things are really changing so okay. you know just evolving um okay. you know because of people conversing and everything you know it's easier yeah. to get new ideas because of social yeah. media and everything and so i think yeah. we, i think it's a time of great shift okay. <laughs> i don't know how no, it's, it's going to turn out in Chicago, when you grew up, where did you stand religiously, spiritually, those type of things in your life? Yeah, my parents never went to church. Um, okay. My mom said she was, uh, you know, a certain religion, but didn't practice it. And there, my dad spent a lot of time in the bar, and she was at home worried about him. And so that was, <laughs> a, and I was the youngest of four, so it was a bit chaotic feeling. Um, yeah. And that, you know, I don't know why we start seeking something bigger than us, but certainly if you grow up in a in a family where things are so confusing and you don't know what's what, you start looking. So I, uh, you know, I'd go to church with my friends when they when I spent the night at their house and I sang in a choir occasionally. Um, in high school, they have this thing called Young Life, and it's like a Wednesday night. They you go to someone's house and there's a leader who's usually young and interesting and it's non-denominational and it is Christian and they just teach huh? you the ba the basics yeah. um, and then they have these camps and I went to the camps you know and I was really trying to become a Christian but there were uh, some rules that they were putting ah. on us and I couldn't honestly grasp those rules you know because i was okay. starting my little getting high and experimenting with sexuality and so on and and that was like not lining up 
and so I picked the adventure rather than the religion, you know. Then I tried again in college. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then, you know, I tried in college in Campus Crusade for Christ, and I, I didn't, it, it, it didn't feel authentic to me, and who knows why. Um, but then in 1986, when I was looking at my third marriage, the one I'd gone to Michigan for, um, already disintegrating because of my behavior, half of which I hit, I hid from him. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, he would travel and I would go out and have adventures and it was making me feel horrible. Yep. Um, and I, you know, here my professional career was looking better and better and my private little CD life was looking worse and worse. And it was yeah. really hard to live with that emotionally. And, you know, I scared myself a few times going off with strangers and the way I drove drinking and so on. And, um, and my husband at that time did know about Al-Anon and alcoholism. And, and he was actually going to meetings. I didn't realize it because he realized something was wrong with me. Oh, wow. and, But he didn't, you know, really confront me about it. Anyway, there were a whole bunch of things that happened that, um, Ultimately, one time I didn't wait to go out to the bar and pick up someone until my husband was out of town. He was in town and I lied to him. And that was like uh, really grossed me out. So I started going to a psychologist and um, and he, you know, eventually said, you're in the early stages of alcoholism, even though you don't get drunk every single time you drink. When you do drink, you do crazy things, endangering things. And you have yeah. a, you know, this horrible history with relationships and you grew up in an alcoholic family. It's in your genes, blah, 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 blah. So he suggested yeah. that I do have two drinks, no more, no less. And watch what happened because okay. it, it was a confusing, you know, you, my image was these are the people that get up in the morning and have a drink. These yeah. are the skid row, blah, blah. It didn't. So anyway, I did the experiment and, um, Sometimes I would have two drinks and I would be like a social drinker and just stop and go home. Other times I would sit at home and drink a whole bottle of wine. Um, Other times I'd be out at a party or a bar and I'd have two drinks and then I'd have three and four and then be looking for the people who had drunks, you know, more. So eventually after six months, I realized that I did not have control you know, yeah. I couldn't predict when I would drink more than two drinks and do something really scary. And I was yeah. in a ton of emotional pain because here I was in my third marriage. I wasn't even 40 yet. And it was, you know, I was damaging it. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I had an evaluation from another expert on addiction and so on. But eventually, um, and I credit my third husband with this. He said, what would happen if you quit drinking today, if that was your last beer? And the next day we went, he went to an Al-Anon meeting and I went to an AA meeting. And, you know, in the 80s, it was like, you know, these older men smoking like chimneys, you know. I mean, it was not my quote unquote culture, except it was yeah. like a bar. You know, it was like a bar. <laughs> um, but these people, I could totally relate, even though, yeah. you know, the background was so different. And so I did 
by, you know, I'm so grateful that I did grab onto AA and that was where I started to hear things about spirituality that made sense to me that I didn't have, I didn't have to define it as what the church had been teaching me. And eventually a couple of really good friends, well, they kind of adopted me in the program. I had a sponsor, but these, these people, um, just a couple, they, you know, I, th- I think it happens that when there is a higher um, wisdom working in our lives, the right, and we're kind of opening the door to change and getting out of denial and admitting that we need help, the right and perfect people start showing up. And That's this amazing. couple, yeah, this couple took me to a unity church. It's not a Unitarian, it's unity. Cool. And they, they, and the guy, the minister, had 40-some years of sobriety. And, oh, he, you know, and he, he, there was no talk of sin or, it, it was just a very um, consistent with the principles that worked for me message. Yes. And, oh, uh, wow. and he, yeah, and I don't, you probably, yeah, it is. I was very grateful. He, he eventually died. His name was Jack Boland. B-O-L-A-N-D. But he has a lot of um, audio tapes. And they were into A Course in Miracles, which oh, is a, a spiritual teaching. And I mentioned that in my book quite a bit. Um, but anyway, I just the pieces started falling in place that, yes, I could have a spiritual presence in my life that would help me. Yeah. And then work, you know, working through the steps is all about coming to trust and yeah. Uh, trust that spiritual force, which I never had before. <laughs> yeah. well, I, I tried, but I felt so judged. Um, in, in yes. Passing that, that I couldn't. Um, no. So, oh, that's wonderful. That's such a such a lovely story. So let, let's go to the book. Ah. When, when, when did the book happen and how did the book happen? Why did the book happen? Uh, you, you used the word worry a few times already. Maybe I'm going to just for the oh word no. worry. <laughs> well, it's interesting. In my healing journey in AA, it, it was about 25 years before I, no, maybe 20 years of sobriety before I realized, wow, my life has dramatically changed. I'm so much happier I'm, you know all these fabulous things that happened in my life and for somebody I, with a PhD you seem to be quite a slow learner <laughs> right <laughs> oh yeah oh boy you got that one right uh, <laughs> anyway it was um I had this thought wouldn't it be wonderful if these changes and growth that had happened in my life could be shared with other people who didn't necessarily have a drinking problem. Um, So it it wasn't just to translate the steps, but it was to, because in the book, which is called 50 Ways to Worry Less Now, um, it started out, actually, I was going to write a memoir because I had lived in all these interesting places and during all these marriages. But then my husband said one day, um, why don't you write a book explaining to people the things that I hear you saying to the people you sponsor on the phone. 
because awesome. those things are really helpful. Yeah. And so I thought, well, maybe it could be a self-help book. Yeah. So I went away from the memoir and toward the self-help. I sat down and I thought, well, if I weren't in AA or in that kind of a program, what might be four simple like life strategies that would that are essential to grow out of dysfunction and into emotional and spiritual health? Yeah. So I came up with um, you know, I was on an airplane <laughs> when the idea came to me oh, cool. and um, and I had just visited my mother and our relationship. My feeling toward her was so generous and open and loving, and I had never felt that before. It had nothing to do with what she was sending back to me. You okay. know, it was without need, but yeah. pure love. And it, I was astonished that that had happened in me. Oh, wow. um, so I wrote down four things. I thought, well, you have to get honest with yourself, right? I mean, you can't stay in denial and just sit there, you know, and, and blame it on other people. And, you know, Absolutely. oh, I didn't have, you know, I've always had low self-esteem. Well, okay, let's get honest about that beyond yeah. just using it as an excuse, you know. Yes. And then um, I did put the second step is there's. In my experience, there's really not much potential for change if we rely only on our own intellect. So the second step is to claim some power greater than my own fearful self. And so I offer the reader multiple ways, you know, all the different names you could call that thing, some exercises (laughs) for getting in touch with it. Um, And, you know, it's all each chapter has a story of how I, for example, got honest about my addictions. And then the second one, how I found a higher power. And then there are exercises and little, like there's a table that says all these different ways you could name a higher power. And I end up in the book calling it a loving power or a positive power. Oh, cool. And it, nice. and I say it could be outside you and it could be inside you. That yeah. it's different for different people, but that, Power and wisdom, I think, is essential for true change. The third step is you got to make choices to for the kind of life you want to have. So um, in terms of the book, I had a vision board. I had affirmations. I used some of that law of attraction stuff. Um, And I also um, talk about how it you know, it can't be too specific because we have a higher power involved. And so don't limit that power. It could be way beyond our wildest dreams. Uh, so and you have to choose finally to go into action. That's the big yeah. choice. Yeah. So those, you know, there's honesty, claiming a power, making choices. And the final one is working your ass off yeah. practices, tools. And that's why there are 50 tools in there, because every chapter kind of unpacks how I discovered the specific specific tools, which are way beyond the 12 steps because I had energy work. I had cognitive therapy. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of spiritual. So there's spiritual tools. There are cognitive, like the the restructuring, brain restructuring and all that brain research and, um, and a lot of spiritual and a lot of cognitive and a lot of energy work. And so you kind of see how I discovered it. And then I offer exercises or resources for how the reader can connect with those things that appeal to them. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I'm sitting here thinking about, you can't see it now, but to my to my left is a stack of books on a bookshelf. The, those are uh, my books to be read. But then, then modern life happens with electronic stuff. So, <laughs> so I, I, I have to kind of play this game of read one electronic book and read one of those. Read one electronic <laughs> book and read one of those. But I think what – and the electronic books I keep very well ordered on my on my um, iPad so mm-hmm. that I know we, where I am with, with those just as these are. I'm a bit OCD. And um, – but I think I'm going to tomorrow morning when I open my iPad, cheat with with cheat with your book and move it up in the list of the of the ebooks to be read. <laughs> it really sounds fascinating. It really sounds wonderful. So, were you a warrior? Oh Are my! You? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know the the reason the title says. 50 ways to worry less now. And then the subtitle is reject negative thinking to find peace, clarity, and connection. So it's, it's rejecting the negative thinking. It doesn't mean we get rid of it permanently. It's just in that moment, I notice that I'm scaring myself with my thinking by projecting into the future. And I have all these 50 tools to help me get my head screwed on straight again. Yeah. Um, one of the key things that I do put in the first chapter after explaining those four strategies, life strategies, is um, it's not a solo job. In my experience, I needed to join with other people who were on a growth path yes. and who had no agenda except to help others grow. And those awesome. kinds of environments I found in um you know, the 12-step programs, but I don't believe that's the only place you can find that. I believe in the 12 steps, and I still attend meetings and all those type mm-hmm. of things, and that's what got me clean, and that's what's keeping me clean, and I love it, And I, I, but in my personal life, I've grown far beyond the 12 steps. Yes. I also do, I normally try stuff on my own before, before I kind of tell people try. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I love all the, all the experimenting I do, I do with my own body and psyche. <laughs> so, yes, yes. So I'm completely with you on that one, yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, whether it's at first a good therapist, you know, I mean, I have a section in the book of how to tell a help, more helpful friend from a less helpful friend, for example, cool. You know those people that jump into the worry with you and catastrophize it along with you? Oh, yeah. Or they tell their own story and they yes. are not interested in helping you unpack what's going on with your story. And I also have some guidelines for groups, you know, to tell a healthy group from a less healthy group. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. So, but it, it, for a start, even a good therapist, I think, is a good place to start. One really healthy person that if you, you know, if you can swing that. Um, but the point is we get more honest with other people when we're in an honest, sharing, giving environment that's very healthy and confidential and so on. Wow. It's a surprising uh, what we learn and come up with on our own. So that's a key piece. But you had asked me the question before that was, and do I worry and what are the tools that I use the most to help me not worry? Oh, okay, were, well, you, were you a warrior? I, I, yeah. The reason why I asked that specific question is I come from a family of warriors. Yeah. My mother truly believes that worry is an action. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yes. That, that, what, what, once she has worried enough, she feels that she has now taken enough action. And she That's right. And she doesn't understand when I tell her that, that no, that, yeah. that, that's, that's not okay. That's not enough. Right. That's, yeah. why, I don't know why you do this. Um, I actually yeah. kept on fighting with her until my husband walked into my room one, our room one night after a conversation with my mother and said to me, you really have to stop bullying your mother. Oh, wow. I, I was so excited about the changes I saw in myself, and I wanted her yeah, to get this yes. standard. And she, she's much, much older than I am, and, and she's got her ways. And exactly. I'm so grateful for my husband having done that because he made me see something and thus relate to my mother now completely differently. Yes, that without an agenda. Yeah, yeah, without an agenda. Absolutely. Just, it's a, it's a true gift. It's a type of thing that you explained earlier. Yeah. So, um, so, yes, so okay. I come from a family of three. It sounds as if you were one of you could have been a family member. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, my mother was a very worrier, worrier because my dad was out at the bar all the time, and she had four children, and he had yeah. had a um, heart attack very early in his life, and he was supposed to live oh, wow. a stress-free life. So all yeah. she could imagine was him, you know, not coming home and so on. So she, of course, was worrying. And then I yeah. think when you grow up in a family where there's not a lot of stability in terms of getting support and help and care, uh, that yeah. makes you a worrier also. So, yes, I would say, you know, and I dealt with my worry and my and, you know, what is worry? It's fear that I that something will happen that I don't want or it's fear yeah. that something will happen that I can't handle or something won't happen that I really want. It's yes. fearing I'm not going to get what I need. You know, that's yeah. the fear. And then and then going back and regretting, you know, all of that. And um, that's why the first exercise in the book is a mindfulness one about being in the present moment, um, yeah. because that that's quite the surprising fact. It's like, oh. Right, right now, everything is perfect. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm having this conversation. Yeah, yeah. Go away from here. Get, yeah. get before we find ourselves, we are in numerous other places. <laughs> yes, yes. So I, I was definitely a worrier, and um, I have to say it was through the 12 steps initially that I started to break that down because yeah. um, in the fifth chapter. I talk about using the tools to heal, and I talk about these layers of healing because, um, you know, the good thing about spiritual growth is if you're in an, uh, if you're seeking spiritual growth, the growth will happen in manageable layers. Yeah. I was afraid that if I ripped the Band-Aid off, all of what I knew was down Absolutely, in there would come yeah. spewing out at once, and I wouldn't be able to handle it, which was why yeah. I was needing to stay in denial. Yeah. And I found that in my first inventory and sharing that inventory with my sponsor, it was just the first layer. It was about my addiction and my lying and the things I had done there. I realized what low self-esteem I had. And I actually got myself a little audio tape that I'd listen to at night, you know, to reprogram. People yeah. like me. <laughs> I'm a likable person. I mean... <laughs> Oh my God! Yeah, and I don't know about you, but I really, really struggled with um, um, affirmation meditations because the affirmation person would, or the meditation person would, would say, kind of, "I am a confident person." And before I could even start in my mind saying, "I am a confident," person, my mind goes, "No, you're not." <laughs> ah, 
And you know what I call that? Shut up the mind. <laughs> exactly. You know what I call that in the book? And I almost titled it this, The Whispered Lies That Our Mind Tells Us. You know, it's, yeah. people call it the committee in the head, the stories Absolutely. we tell ourselves, the uh, burned-in neural pathways of negativity. Yeah. But I call them whispered lies because that's, that's exactly that little you. voice, you know. And so, yeah. in essence, all of the exercises in the book are to uh, reject the negative voice yes. and replace it with something positive or hopeful or true. Yeah. So the first layer of healing was around self-esteem. But then the second one came a year or so later. I was still in therapy, thank God. And we got into the dysfunctional family piece. And wow. the, the scared little girl who was hiding in the corner, afraid that she wasn't safe and trying to control everything in my life so that somehow yeah. people would like me and I'd be safe and blah, blah. And All so all those things. Yeah. And and that was really helpful because for me personally, the inner child stuff, you know, to ha for me oh. to say I am growing up in recovery, I'm growing up a mature, honest, wise, GG adult yeah. who can take care of the scared parts of me yeah. and that that part of me is also fueled by a spiritual power that yes. is wise and is bringing the right things to me and helping the growth. Yeah. And that, you know, that wasn't a one-time conversation, but that was a very helpful thing around Absolutely. that layer of healing. Then I five, a, go ahead. Sorry go to interrupt ahead. you there. I actually have a teddy bear on, on, on our bed. And my husband actually bought that teddy bear in America. So when he returned from an American trip, he arrived with this teddy bear and that teddy bear became my inner child. Oh. So every night before, before, I switch my light off. Um, Freddie and I spend some time together. <laughs> That's uh, sweet. Normally, I normally read him some some bedtime stories, Aww. but we have now we have now gone over to some funny YouTube videos. <laughs> oh, cool! That's <laughs> so great. So then we sit and have a giggle together, and then I, I I put him to bed and tell him he's an awesome awesome little boy and he can yes. relax and have fun. Um, Freddie the adult uh, has got 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 this. He can just mm -hmm. chill out and be awesome. So I, I so believe in inner child work. I think it's yeah. such a part of our journey. Yes, it really is helpful. Um, the next layer, the third layer, yes. was uh, I had no idea. And I, when we have this higher power or loving power operating in our lives and we're connecting with it daily and sometimes hourly, but at least daily by doing some praying and meditating and reading some yeah. inspiring things and talking to other people who are on that path. Um, then something I had no idea, I was not even aware of it, came up and I had had some sexual touching as a child that ah. I had no idea about. And, oh, my yeah. And so because my higher powers was regulating my growth, it's like having a great trainer who says, yeah. uh, you can only lift five pounds for now. Let's stick with that. Okay, yeah. you're ready for 10, you know, and you say, oh, no, no, I'm not ready for 10. <laughs> so, yeah, you're ready. You're strong enough to handle it, you know. Absolutely, well, this yeah. was like the 15-pound weight, you know. <laughs> so, thank God, you know, I had a really good therapist and 
she had a sexual healing group and I went through and I tell that whole story also in there of some of the things I did. I was able to set a boundary with a person who was still touching me in an inappropriate way. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, you know, we get the spiritual power we need to handle the things that will heal us most and at the right time, which is a wonderful trust to have in life. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I actually, my first book is actually called The First Layer. Oh. Um, Yeah. And that, that was written for, yeah, for a sponsee who kept on relapsing. And, and he got so frustrated that he said to me one day, kind of, why don't you just write a book that in the three weeks or month or the two months that I'm clean, I can just at least complete the steps, one full round of steps. So if I relapse, I don't feel like a complete piece of shit because I can't even get through the steps. Yeah. So I sat down and I, and I wrote the book, the first ah. layer, which is really just to work through the 12 steps in 21 days um, or in 21 sessions, depending on how long you want to take. And sure. it, it it just goes deep enough to peel that first layer off. Nice. So, so don't go too deep and, and too intense, but you will definitely get a good picture of what's going on. Or, or, Fabulous. Or, or, or. I love the way you refer to the layers as well. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? Yeah, I'll have to read that one too. I'm not I'm not too far into the next one, but I'm really loving it so far. Oh, I'm so glad so, to hear that. Yeah, yeah. So tell me, um, you also call yourself a presenter. Yes. What? Um, Well, you know, it's funny when I did my student teaching, I, you know, I was 20 years old and I, I didn't know that I had a facility with words and teaching, you know, and my, the person watching me, who was my coach as a teacher said, you have to use that smile more, you know, and, and then I was I don't know. I just over the years, because I was teaching a lot and then I most of my career of teaching was teaching future teachers about how to design units and lessons and some discipline stuff. And I I think after 25 years of trying to boil down complex ideas into simpler ideas, but still powerful, somehow I got good at presenting, you know, and I was. I pardon. Oh, I said, oh, cool. Yeah. So I I actually got a couple of teaching awards at my university, and Whoa. then um, my I had a little side business in consulting with a business partner whom I love dearly, and we you know started working together with teachers who are already teaching on how to analyze the students that are not learning to as well as the teacher would like how to delve into their work and try to crawl into their heads and figure out how they're making sense of things. And so we started doing a lot of workshops with, you know, on the side and we wrote a couple of books and so on. So I, yeah, I like presenting. I like doing, I I just did an open talk and I, you know, I, I do like presenting. I do a, um, a work, I do a retreat called Drop the Rock, based on the oh. book, Drop the Rock, Step 6 and 7. Six and 7, I, I love yeah. that. Book. I, and I oh. do it either in a day-long format or in a weekend format. Okay. And um, we end up, you know, writing our character defects on rocks and dropping them in the water 
Oh, awesome. With, with um, you know, yeah. resolving ink and so on. And so, yeah, I love presenting and teaching. Awesome. Something I, I really actually love. Used, I actually used the drop the rock analogy with so many other things in life. Oh. Everything we take on that, 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 that we carry with us that we don't have to. Guilt, guilty feelings about whatever, those things. I just say to my clients, just drop it. Just drop the rock. Why do you want to carry this this thing with you if, if you can go through life without it? So Exactly. Yeah. And I it you know, I was sitting in a meeting the other day and people were talking about how, you know, you have to change everything and so on. And you know, you're a newcomer and you're thinking the old paradigm, which is I have to change everything. I have to make everything different. And what's um, it's sort of upside down in recovery because I don't have to change those things. And I'm not even capable necessarily of directly changing me inside. Yeah. What I can do is do the footwork of going to the meetings, making the choices, um, visualizing who I want to be in the future, going to therapy, using the tools that will heal, uh, practicing spiritual principles. It's it's ironic because you know how they say, um, you know, we live in the solution rather than the problem. And the solution is like your field of peace. It's not a concrete solution. It's getting ourselves connected with the spiritual wisdom inside or outside but getting ourselves in a place where we can receive that change, that inner change. Absolutely. Isn't it so mysterious that it's the opposite of life? You don't tackle it directly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That is just one of of, of the magic things about about the the, the lives we live, is that so many things are contrarian to to, to how we've been taught, to, to, to how we how life expects us to, to do things. And like, no, that does, it, doesn't, it doesn't actually work that way. And that's no. why, why I wrote my book and, and obviously why you wrote your book is kind of, kind of there's other ways of doing stuff. So, so look at this. Maybe, maybe this works for you. So I, yes. I definitely can't wait to read your book. Last thing I want to, to, to say, I don't want to keep your whole Sunday. I suppose you've got a roast in the oven. Um, <laughs> 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 um, is you you are now a retired professor. Yes. What do you keep yourself busy with today? Ah. Well, I keep up my basic footwork for my spiritual fitness. So I, cool. you know, so I, important. That's I spiritual medit- fitness. Meditate. We can't get yeah. Fit the, yeah. The ball ball hits the fan. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, you know, I meditate and I pray and I. Uh, I go to meetings maybe two or three a week. Three makes me happier. I have some people, some women that I'm taking through the 12 steps and people that I have taken through the 12 steps that I stay connected with. I have my posse, you know, my group of people who are, and this is my ultimate security. I wouldn't say that it's some, I, I do now feel a connection with something higher that I can trust. But initially it was the force of goodness coming from the people around me yeah. that I could trust the most. That I, I love didn't know. that force of goodness. That's fabulous. Yeah. Thank you. The, because those people were streaming love into me 
and that was healing me. And I think the ultimate security for me is to know that if the shit hits a fan in my life, that there are four or five people who would be there instantly to support me. And, And they would stream God into me if I couldn't believe or trust, you know. And um, so, you know, I spend time with those people. I play a little golf. Oh, cool. Um, Yeah, I enjoy golf. I work out to keep the body, you know, as young as I can. I travel. I I am happily married now. Peter is my fourth husband. And we just had our our 30-year anniversary. Oh, congratulations. And that was... I think a gift from my higher power because I didn't, you know, I didn't even trust that I could be happily married and uh, it happened. And, you know, I, it was I, a, I agree with you. I believe yeah. my husband was also a gift. Well, I, I kind of made a deal with my higher power when I, when I discovered my sex addiction, uh-huh. I, had to, I had to work through those bloody steps and work that program on. And I was so unwilling to do it because it was such a security blanket that I couldn't see. I could wow. not see how, what, and how I'm going to be with, with without that. And I made, wow. I made my higher power deal. And I said, oh, I'm going to do this. We had to do a 49-day period of complete abstinence. We said, oh, wow. I'll do this, but when I'm finished, you're going to give me a boyfriend, and you're going to make him fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and she, look she what stuck happened. To, she stuck to her part of the world. We've been married now for nearly four years, so oh, she stuck to her part of the bargain. The least I can do is just keep on doing what I need to do. So yep. that's awesome. Yeah. I love the parallels in our stories. It's so amazing. So yes. I am definitely going to tomorrow take my thumb and move, take my finger and move your your book up higher into the list. <laughs> of my, my make that the next one to read because I'm really now excited to read it. But Gigi, well, I want I'm to glad. thank you so much. Is there another book we need to watch out for in the future? <laughs> I I've, yes. you know I've, yes. made, <laughs> I've made I've made this into an audio book. Cool. And I and I do have tokens, free tokens to get the audiobook. Okay. And so I want to give you my um, my email awesome. and my, my website because if anyone listens to the podcast and wants to contact me, I will send them the token for the Please free audio book and it has a, a PDF with it. Okay, oh, so it's wonderful. so the easiest email is and it's a little bit long but it's gg langer g-i-g-i-l-a-n-g-e-r yeah and then it's worried less now yeah the title of the book at gmail.com awesome okay and then also um the ebook or the print book are available on my website the the ebook I can send for free. The print book, obviously, up yep. to mail and all that. But anyway, that's g i g i langer dot com. G i g i l a n g e r dot com. Cool. So people can contact me. I have a blog on there, um, a lot of material. But I'm not at this point. I'm not planning on writing another book because, as you know, it's a ton of work. And um, <laughs> Yeah, and, you know, just, yeah, so we'll see. Well, if if you do write another book, please contact me so that I can chat to you about it, because it sounds like there's a vast amount of wisdom worth sharing and and worth worth reading. So the last question is, suddenly I see Jiri 
I see the surname Langer, I hear the word golf, and I think of Bernard. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, nothing like Bernard's golf. <laughs> nothing not, not like yet. his golf. <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> yeah. Why do I why do I hear that perfectionism has been removed as a character yeah. defect? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, and golf is a great way to test that one. <laughs> I can imagine the practice in humility on a daily basis. Oh, is that exactly. actually a yeah. That's a, yeah. This was absolutely wonderful. I am so excited to have had this conversation with oh, you. Oh, me too. And I do I, want to stay connected with you because I'm loving the book, you know, and I'm awesome. and I want to know how to review it and if I can post parts of it on Facebook and so on and give you awesome. you know, we you can, can email about that. We're in communication. Okay. We are now in communication on Skype and we've got email and our yeah. website. So let's keep on doing this. Awesome. Right. Keep on doing the most work you do, and thank you very much again. Look after yourself. Oh, thank, thank yeah. you, Fred. Enjoy your roast. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> the roast, the roast that, that I have in my head that you've yeah. got in your oven. <laughs> Enjoy it. Thanks, Freddie. Take care. Bye. <laughs> I loved talking with Judy. Even though this was the first time we chatted, I felt an immediate connection. I enjoy her amazing energy and how she is using all her knowledge and experience to make the world a better place. I wish her all of the best on the sales of her book and on the wonderful work she does to contribute to society. If you want to know more about what I do, please feel free to connect with me on my website, which is www.freddy.org.za or find me on Facebook at either Meet Me in the Field or Freddy Counselor, or on Twitter at at Freddy, or Instagram at Freddy Counselor. Remember that Freddy is always spelt with an I-E at the end. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Bye.